0: Great
1: gowns. Beautiful gowns.
0: Fashion has changed.
1: No, it hasn't. Hi, I'm Lauren Garoni.
0: And I'm Chelsea Fairless.
1: And Chelsea, I have to say, you are looking extraordinary today. What is different about you? Oh, thanks, babe.
0: (laughs) I went a little blonder. You did. You did this. Well, I didn't do it myself. Shout out to Casey at Chris McMillan, a fuckette, actually, that is now my colorist. I love it. I mean, I hate to be this person, but you
1: do look better as a blonde. It yeah. Just,
0: it's you. It is me. It is me. Sometimes the hair color that you're given is not the hair color you should have. Like, just think about Dita Von Teese. I was just about to say, just as Dita Von Teese. <laughs> Or Tori Amos or something. What's Tori Amos's hair color? She's a brunette. She's a light brunette. Wow. As am I, unfortunately. So Mom. not anymore, bitch. I'm Nordic now. Yeah. Well, you didn't go full platinum as you have before.
1: This is a good level of blonde for you. Thank you. And Thank what you. a
0: great medium to be
1: describing your hair. <laughs> I know. So before we get into the podcast today, I think we have some like corrections and omissions and updates to things from previous episodes. Yes.
0: First of all, thank you to everyone that called in about the union rat. We've learned many things about him. Well, I don't know if it's a he. About them. Their name is scabby for one thing makes sense <laughs> they were created by the chicago-based company called big sky balloons and the rats range in size from like six feet to 25 feet so the six feet one is like two thousand dollars and the 25 foot one is like ten thousand dollars so which one are we buying
1: yeah, if you could see our group chat, it wasn't like, should we buy this? It was, which one should we buy? <laughs> I have to say, you sent me, they do make other kind of union-themed balloons that are not as often used, which was the fat cat. Yeah,
0: the corporate fat cat. <laughs> and the there was a pig. Yeah, whatever, yeah, <laughs> whatever Piggy, his name was.
1: Piggy McPigerson. I feel like we
0: should get the cat and that'll be our thing. The fat cat. No, it's rats for me. It's it's rats only. Also, we completely failed to mention that the union rat was featured in an episode of Difficult People, which is really, really brilliant. And I also heard that it was prominently featured in that David Cronenberg movie that came out kind of recently with Robert Pattinson. Cosmopolis. Yes. Yeah. So we should watch that. I know
1: that film has been on my watch list forever, especially since the Batman. And now I give a shit about Robert Pattinson again. I'm like, oh, he's again for the first time. I'm like, oh, this Robert Pattinson guy. I think he's pretty good.
0: (laughs) Also, shout out to our listener who did see the Union Rat while listening to the podcast, as you predicted in the Meatpacking District while returning something at Sephora. Beautiful. You know what? That's how I want it seen.
1: With a Sephora in the background. Yeah. Beautiful. Also, the day that we recorded, it came out that Ivana Trump was buried at Trump's golf course. And it's a harrowing image. Because it's not
0: a cemetery. <laughs> yeah. The the staging of this grave is on par with the graves in like what's that pet cemetery movie? Not pet cemetery, but yeah, the documentary about the people that bury their pets in the cemetery. I have no idea what you're talking about. I thought you were truly talking about the Stephen no. King novel and film adaptation. No, it's like a really famous documentary. Whatever, I have no idea. But it's by that guy, Errol Morris, that did like tabloid in like every documentary, The Thin Blue Line.
1: Yes, I literally just, it, Gates of Heaven. Mm. It is about the pet cemetery business. Okay, I can yeah. get into the <laughs> pet cemetery industrial complex. Yep, I'll add this with Cosmopolis <laughs> to our watch list. Anyway, it was quickly figured out that he probably did this as a tax scheme because if I guess if you're designated as a cemetery in New Jersey, you do not have to pay property taxes, income taxes, and sales and use taxes.
0: Maybe. Ivana died doing what she loved, you know, exploiting tax loopholes. (laughs) Also, it's like a two-in-one for the people that frequent this golf course. No, it's like they can pay their respects and play golf.
1: Yes, according to the intrepid New York Post photographer who went to Bedminster to find the grave, I think on a hunch, (laughs) What I want is the story of how this photographer was like, I wonder if Ivana's buried on his golf course. According to the person who took the photograph, it's kind of hidden away. So it's not like, you know, golf balls
0: are flying over her grave. (laughs) Uh, Pretty sad. Not glamorous. It's not what she deserves. If they build like a giant monument over it, you know, that looks like some, like, classical French sculpture or something, then that would be fierce. That, or you would imagine that Ivana would want a beautiful
1: Roman or French sculpture that becomes her urn and is just sort of passed around the children's homes.
0: You know, I would think she would be a mausoleum person. You know? That ding, 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 that's what it is. (laughs) This cheap fuck, this... (laughs)
1: captain of the real estate industry couldn't even build her a mausoleum on the golf course (sighs) and the last thing we need to clear the air about before we get into this week's topic would be what this caller has brought up hello Lauren and Chelsea this is Frida from Copenhagen Denmark my question is what is fuck hits fuck it because I tried to Google it, but I,
0: I don't know what this. I don't understand. Please explain. Thank you so much. Bye. What is a fuck at?
1: And are we saying fuckhead?
0: And we are not. We are saying F-U-C-K-E-T-T-E. Fuck at by definition, is a very underutilized feminine equivalent of the word fucker right at its core and we chose this word because margaret cho says it during her iconic guest starring performance on sex in the city
1: i guess what we're trying to say is we're not very clever guys we <laughs> stole this and we're now using it as a term of endearment
0: as we I don't know if we stole it so much as reclaimed it i think we're elevating it like no one's using it that's true Every time I watch that episode, I'm like, I should say that or people should use that term. It's so good.
1: Yes. And she is using it as a term of endearment
0: with Carrie. Let's play the clip.
1: Yes, fuck it. And those are some picky Italians.
0: I forgot that they were talking about Dolce and Gabbana in this scene. And I swear this podcast is not sponsored by them. They're just always around like it follows.
1: One day you'll break the chain. (laughs) So the origin of the word fucket for us comes from Margaret Cho's appearance on Sex and the City. We use it with affection to refer to our listeners and have adopted it as the moniker for those who are a fan of the Every Outfit podcast. I hope that answers your question. Chell, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I just love Margaret Cho so much. We need more Margaret Cho. Again, a wonderful guest star that could be brought back into and just like that. Definitely.
0: Such a gift to the world.
1: So I wanted to bring up this Barlow and Bear Bridgerton lawsuit.
0: Barlow and Bear really does sound like an annoying children's store in Cobble Hill.
1: So I first heard about this story on TikTok, and people were saying Barlow and Bear in such a way that I felt like, an idiot for not knowing who they were yeah so i had assumed that they like were it's
0: rogers and hammer stuff yeah. or some shit yeah
1: i had assumed that they were a country duo because i saw this photo that they won a grammy only to learn no they started on tiktok and they started on tiktok for doing this bridgerton musical that they then somehow won a grammy
0: for well they just sang original compositions from the perspective of various bridgerton characters on tiktok and then They just developed that. They wrote a full musical. And the fact that they beat Andrew Lloyd Webber in this category at the Grammys is astounding and pretty fucking cool. Did you listen to any of the songs? Of course not. Yeah, I did. I mean, it's I don't watch Bridgerton, so it doesn't really speak to me.
1: But, you know, sure. So, of course, Netflix, Shonda Rhimes, the original author, Tim were all aware of this, and were like, we love it. It's great. And then, it's not like they're just running it on Off-Broadway. They are doing performances at the Kennedy Center. <laughs> you would think the Kennedy... It's pretty cool. You would think the Kennedy Center would be like, hey, you have the licensing rights for this,
0: right? Well, to be fair, unofficial is in the title.
1: I mean, it doesn't matter to Netflix, although this is where it kind of goes sideways, because Netflix is like, this is fine, just license it from us. And they're like, nope, we're just going to keep doing this. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because as two people, (laughs) the the
0: pariahs. (laughs) Who
1: built a following on other on another IP that is very popular and still in the zeitgeist? I felt uh, a personal connection to this, especially when it was like a musical. Whatever, we're never gonna do a sex in the city musical and then it was like oh they're getting sued for inappropriate usage of ip for the musical and merch that they're doing and i was like hold on a second ooh, this is
0: hitting way too close to home now (laughs) well to be fair we haven't done merch in a long time and we've steered clear of doing anything figuratively or literally using imagery from sex in the city like we've gone out of our way if they want to sue us over an Are We Slut" sweatshirt, like that seems crazy to me. But we did write the book. The book is like, <laughs> I am so surprised that
1: nothing happened when we did the book.
0: But there is precedent, right, for that type of book. There's a whole genre of unofficial Parody, books. I mean, yeah. look at any book that Urban Outfitters stocks.
1: By the way, guys, we wrote that book and truly in our pitch, we were like, this is a book that will end up in Urban Outfitters. Our book never (laughs) ended up in Urban Outfitters and it still bothers me.
0: (sighs) The only parallel I can really think of to them is E.L. James. Oh, (laughs) in just like success level because winning I mean obviously E.L. James is much more successful uh, winning a Grammy is pretty fucking crazy though yes but E.L. James went the extra mile to like rename the characters and stuff
1: and also I think so much time has gone by and Fifty Shades has really become its own entity that you almost forget that Fifty Shades of Grey started as Twilight fan fiction yeah which is like alternate reality, alternate universe fan fiction. So I think they already had different names. That's the whole thing.
0: Do you want to explain that to people that maybe don't know what you're talking about? like That
1: are, aren't aware of what AO3
0: is? <laughs> Archive of Our Own? Yes, I'm one of those people, Lauren. What the fuck are you talking about? So there's fan fiction. Right.
1: I mean, the history of fan fiction starts with... I'm not going to bore people, but the...
0: No, I'd love to hear this, your whole spiel. Oh my God, really?
1: Um, Fan fiction starts with Spock and Kirk fan fiction. So it has its origins in like, basically, what if these two straight people who we feel have a lot of sexual tension fuck? Right. And it was passed around in like zines and stuff. And then with the birth of the internet... There's a website called fanfiction.net, which still exists. And then the millennial version of that is something called Archive of Our Own. Why is it called that? I don't know. (laughs) Okay.
0: Because it's an archive of our own. Right. And some of it takes place in an alternate reality.
1: I mean, there's a lot of good fanfiction written, a lot of which you're just sort of like, you should just be an author (laughs) this is like a lot of effort for like you know uh, this is a gripping love story about like Captain America and Iron Man fucking
0: (laughs) is that what you're reading on (laughs) this website
1: so I get it because when you write the hardest thing to come up with is an already existing three-dimensional character. But if you see something in a film and it's already imbued with the actor's mannerisms and choices, it becomes easier to be like, oh, I would do that, but then do this. Right. And that is how Fifty Shades of Grey started. Beautiful. She she was like, what if Edward was a billionaire and he was into uh, dominant, submissive sex and what if Bella was a college graduate who knew nothing about sex and you go from there. Right. It's inspired by Twilight, but it is not directly from Twilight.
0: Beautiful. Whereas Bridgerton, the unofficial musical... is just a little too close to the source material.
1: Yeah, if we, we like to think that we know where the line is. Like for instance, if we did an unofficial stage play of what we would have done for the first season of In Just Like That, I think that's when they would step in and do something. Right. So there goes six months of work, Chelsea. <laughs> but if I wrote fan fiction about a former It Girl writer who goes on a sexual downward spiral, which is what we would like to happen with Carrie, that would be our Fifty Shades to Twilight. And no one take that from us, okay? Not the
0: worst idea.
1: It's not. Should we get into what the fuck is happening with HBO?
0: Yeah, can you please explain this to me? Because I just don't know what the fuck is up, except for the fact that they've pulled my favorite floral reality competition show, Full Bloom, from HBO Max for no reason. But there is a reason.
1: The amount of people that have DM'd and text me in the past 24 hours, they're like, surely Lauren knows what the fuck is going on. (laughs) So HBO has a new owner. About two years ago, something like that, the communications company AT&T bought it. And they quickly realized this is a terrible idea to own a media company. What the fuck were we thinking? But under that tenure, they started HBO Max. Okay, And within that, the guy that was running it at the time, Jason Kalar, had the idea in 2021, every theatrical film is going to go directly onto HBO Max, uh, which had positive and negative consequences. But in April, a merger went through with Discovery and the new CEO, David Zaslav, Daddy Zaslav, as we will call him (laughs) him from now on. Wait, who cares about
0: Discovery, though?
1: Evidently, AT&T, because they had the money to buy out their stake in... In Warner Brothers. Okay. So David Zaslav told the shareholders, I'm going to make this company profitable. And the first echo of this came a couple days ago when it came out that they were shelving a $90 million Batgirl film that is already finished. Now, this was not a film that was ever supposed to come out in theaters. It was specifically for HBO Max. And... David Zaslav has made the decision that they're not making movies for HBO Max anymore. Because the idea was like, oh, we'll have the Batman here, but then like a smaller, more niche character will make a smaller budget film and put that on HBO Max.
0: Is $90 million a small budget film? Also, how does that make sense financially to spend $90 million and then... Because they can take a tax write
1: off. The decision did not make sense to me until I heard that because they made a decision and it was like, do we put 40 million into it in a film that's not gonna make its money back and doesn't suit us to put it on HBO Max? Or do we take the tax write off, which is what they're going to do? It seems like that should be illegal. I mean, take it up with your congressman.
0: I will. So
1: before we recorded, they had their quarterly earnings meeting and they revealed the plan, which is next summer in the U.S. they will be merging HBO Max and Discovery Plus. So
0: is it going to be called HBO Max or Discovery Plus? Or is it going to be called HBO Discovery? I hate this. HBO Max is the best fucking streaming service. Why are they fucking with us? Also, how does this affect and just like that? There was no announcement in regards to and just like that specifically,
1: but I think we're okay because during the earnings call they posted this graphic, which is a sheet that just says global powerhouse and it lists it's what they consider their brands, their franchises, and iconic series and characters under brands: HBO, Discovery, etc., etc. Franchises: I'm obsessed with this, Batman. Okay, Wonder Woman. Yeah, Superman. Totally Shark Week. Game of Thrones the 90 Day Fiancé universe, (laughs) and Harry Potter. That's what they consider their franchises, Cho. Well,
0: they're not wrong. I mean, people love 90 Day Fiancé.
1: Yes, and under iconic series and characters, we've got Friends, Fixer Upper, Big Bang Theory, Property Brothers, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. I've never even heard of that. You've never heard of Triple D? What do you think, where do you think Guy Fieri comes from, Jell? Well, apparently he comes
0: from my hometown, but I just <laughs> learned that.
1: This is the show that made him famous. You would love this show. He goes to diners, drive-ins, and dives, your three favorite <laughs> things. And you love Guy Fieri. I hope you've never seen this. Anyway, the last thing noted under iconic series and characters is Sex
0: in the City. So HBO Not in just like that, though. <laughs> Yeah, but this doesn't have the name recognition. (laughs) I guess Sex and the City doesn't
1: qualify as a franchise. It's not the Sex and the City universe. But seeing that they're going to launch this HBO Discovery combo app next summer. And that's when In Just Like That is supposed to air. And that's the 25th anniversary of Sex and the City. I think we're safe. Cut to me having to cut in right now and be like, hi guys, in between the the time we recorded and I was editing, it
0: turns out, and just like that season two isn't happening. (laughs) Don't say that. Okay, great. That's comforting. Because I was like, it's getting canceled, was my thought yesterday.
1: It was mine too, because it seemed like what he wanted to do was cut costs, and if I learned that the regime before me agreed to pay three actresses $30 million out of the production budget of a show, I'd be like, uh, eh. but I think we're I think we're okay. And also during the meeting, he said that they're actually gonna be spending even more money on HBO and HBO Max development. Great. So I just want to take the time to say, Daddy Zaslov, <laughs> we're here for any hosting things related <laughs> to the sex in the city universe.
0: Uh, yeah. Any and just like that, in Shark Week crossover <laughs> events that you may have in mind,
1: <laughs> I really do.
0: I remember when that
1: Sony email hack came out, and one of the emails suggested that the third Twenty One Jump Street film, Twenty Three Jump Street, was going to merge into the Men in Black world. And I was like, "That's the stupid." I would see that film, <laughs> and I feel like we need to start mashing these things together. Yeah. Fine, you don't want to make Batgirl? Well, what if Batgirl showed up and in just like that? <laughs> Could you imagine if when Carrie got her Manolo Blahnik stolen- who the fuck is Batgirl? Batgirl is the daughter of Commissioner Jim Gordon. Who the fuck <laughs> is that? <laughs> the Gotham police is very corrupt, but the one person <laughs> that Batman can trust is
0: Commissioner Jim
1: Gordon. <laughs> in the Batman film, it was Jeff- <laughs> it was Jeffrey Wright.
0: Okay, yeah, sure.
1: And so he has a daughter named Barbara Gordon, and she becomes Batgirl. In the newest iterations, the joke... So she's
0: a poser. She's not even, like, (laughs) in the Wayne family line anywhere. He's not, like... I mean... She's not, like, Batman's illegitimate daughter or something.
1: No, but by the way, neither is Robin. That is his young ward. Excuse you. (laughs) Also, another graphic that they showed that I sent you, Chell, is they've divvied up what HBO Max means and Discovery Plus. HBO Max, male skew, scripted, lean in, appointment viewing, home of quote, fandoms. Discovery is female skewed, unscripted, lean back, comfort
0: viewing, home of genre dams. I have no idea what you just said. I don't either. Why do we have to gender both of these streaming services? That's the other wild thing is how did you let that go? Because you
1: know that's what's going to come up.
0: Yeah. The audience is like, can you guys just shut the fuck up about this HBO Discovery merger and talk about Beyonce's new album? All right, let's get into it. So what do you think? I don't care for it.
1: Just kidding. I (laughs) love it. (laughs) Yeah, well, who doesn't fucking love this album?
0: Yeah, I'm not here for that take. Does anyone have that take, though? I'm sure some contrarian on the internet has that take.
1: Which is usually me, but not today.
0: No, it's great. It's a perfect summer album. It's perfect to listen to while driving. And it's stunning how seamless it is. Like, you almost forget that there are individual songs because they flow together in a way that's so magical.
1: It's a real no-skips album.
0: Yeah, when I first listened to her album, I was shocked by how queer it was, especially songs like Cozy and Alien Superstar and Pure Honey, which draw so much inspiration from like black queer culture and ballroom. But it's not total appropriation because she is actually collaborating with people like Honey Dijon and Mike Q and shit who she samples. So people are getting paid. It's not like Madonna doing Vogue or something. No shade to Madonna. Love her, but still. I mean, kind of shade to Madonna. <laughs> Did anyone get paid for Vogue? I don't know. She definitely hired dancers in that scene.
1: I mean, Madonna got paid, and then she bought Francis Bacon paintings and Frida Kahlo paintings with that money, I believe. Do you know what album Vogue appears on? Uh, The
0: Dick Tracy soundtrack. soundtrack. Oh, yeah, the Dick Tracy soundtrack. <laughs> I was like, the Immaculate Collection? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was Dick Tracy. Always bringing it back. so it's. But all- no shade to Madonna. That was a brilliant song.
1: She just could have maybe paid
0: some people. I don't know. Maybe she did. We don't know. It's just part of the narrative of this Beyonce album is she's collaborating with people. She's sampling these artists. They get royalties, blah, blah, blah.
1: Do you want to get into the whole Diane Warren thing? Sure, Diane Warren tried to shade Beyonce by saying something, I believe it's now deleted, but it was something like, come on, 24 writers on a song, really? And there are so many writers on each song because every sample that is used, she credits the writers of those songs. Like, I don't think the guys behind Right Said Fred were in the recording studio with her. Yeah. But it makes you wonder how much Beyoncé, at the end of the day, is getting for those songs being played.
0: Well, I don't think she needs the money. That's the cool thing. I do want to know what the check is if you're on a Beyoncé song with, like, 23 other writers or whatever. It's like, can you buy a house or a car? Or is it, like, a new flat-screen TV? I feel like whatever it is, it's probably crazy. Especially the people that were, like, producers. It's just all that shit. I bet... I bet people made nice checks.
1: And this is why Barlow and Bear <laughs> are getting sued.
0: Watch us get a cease and desist from <laughs> HBO Max tomorrow. It's
1: so funny.
0: The the cease and desist we've gotten have never been related to Sex in the City. No, we're not going to reveal them because one of them I think we just completely disregarded <laughs> and uh,
1: <laughs> never really
0: I- addressed. <laughs>
1: That's kind of what you have to do and you see if they sue you. Which maybe that's what Barlow and Bear did. Yeah. All right, back to Beyonce. My favorite track is America Has a Problem for some reason, like that's the one that I just Interesting. keep
0: over and over and over again. I mean, it's good. As you said, they're all good.
1: Yeah, this definitely feels like an album for people who are real music heads. Like I did see there was a rush to be like Just so everyone knows, like, I recognize where all these samples are from. And I'm like, I just like it. It
0: just sounds great to me. (laughs) I don't know what half of this shit is. Yeah. It's like, I'm just, I only recognize Donna Summer, basically. Oh, really? (laughs) But it's, well, that's not true. But it's cool to see her and, and Grace Jones on this album. It feels correct. Obviously, she's drawing inspiration from them in a lot of ways on a lot of songs on this record. For sure. And with the ballroom stuff, it's so funny because Beyonce is someone that I think of as being like very straight. And I think a lot of that comes from some of her earlier songs. Like when I think about like Cater to You or like Soldier, like those are the most heterosexual songs that have ever been recorded.
1: Well, I thought you were also going to say because she's been with the same person for the last 20 years.
0: That too. And maybe has only been with one person. That too. But it's it's unexpected to see her dip into this world. Although, of course, she has so many queer fans as every diva does. I will say I like horny Beyonce. We all love horny Beyonce. That's why Thick is so good.
1: Yeah, this is a very horny record as well. Good for her. Although, you know, she did have one slight misstep, which considering that Lizzo took out this lyric from a song because it was an ableist slur the word spaz which maybe I'm showing my ignorance not not until the Lizzo song did I know that that was an ableist term but then
0: I think most people did not know me I mean me me neither
1: but it's kind of wild that Beyonce saw that and was like I'll be fine I'm Beyonce and then the world was like no and she was like okay
0: yeah, it is really weird. You would think she would have just taken it out then or doubled down and been like, I'm not changing it. Like those both make sense. Yes. But this doesn't make sense to me.
1: I th- I want, and I wonder if she wouldn't have taken that lyric out if the Khalees controversy also didn't happen. Because it seems just like a sweep of like, fuck this.
0: Okay, the Khalees thing, I actually don't understand. I do not understand how that part of that song sounds like Milkshake. I actually don't. It would be like if whoever wrote the Sex in the City theme song (laughs) came for whoever wrote the Uncoupled theme song. It's like, yeah, it's the same vibe, but like, is it the same song? No. So, So I think what happened
1: was before the album came out, People online were telling Khalees they used your sample without letting you know. And then I think she backtracked once she heard the record. But yeah, I was watching a few TikToks that had to point out exactly where it was because it's it's layered so many times. But I think that those two things happening almost in tandem, Beyonce was like, let's just do a sweep so we can just stop this entire conversation.
0: I don't know. I'm of two minds about the changing the lyric thing. Like... On one hand, obviously, as a culture, we should try and be less shitty to marginalize groups, right? Like, that's what we should do. But on the other hand, it's like, I don't know if every song needs to be reverse-engineered so it doesn't offend someone. Because someone's always going to be offended anyway. And like... I don't know. I feel like artists should be able to express themselves even if I don't agree with what they're saying necessarily.
1: Well, speaking of being offended, Monica Lewinsky chimed in on Twitter and was like, oh, if we're changing lyrics
0: maybe you want to change the lyric about me in partition. See, that's the thing. If you change one lyric, then your entire catalog becomes fair game. And you could say that Crazy in Love is also an ableist song. Just wait till next week.
1: I'm sure that will also happen. But I just want to go back to the lyric she's referring to. (laughs) Monica
0: Lewinsky, All on My Gown.
1: Yeah, this has bothered me because it's like,
0: It's a bad lyric.
1: It's a bad lyric and logically it doesn't make sense. This is obviously referencing the blue dress that Monica Lewinsky kept that Bill Clinton ejaculated on. So really it's Bill Clinton all over my gown. Yes. She didn't
0: squirt.
1: And Monica Lewinsky'd <laughs> all over my gown, you would think would be about squirting.
0: Yeah, it is really rude.
1: Now look, we totally understand what she means by that lyric, and it's fucked up in and of itself that we understand what
0: she's even referring to, even if the reference is incorrect. Well, it's sad because if she said Bill Clinton's, like, we would get it, but it would take us a beat. Because everyone has multiple associations with Bill Clinton, not just the fact that he came on... Monica Lewinsky's Gap dress or whatever the fuck that was. Whereas with Monica Lewinsky, we only think about that or like the fact that she's now like an anti-bullying activist or whatever. Love her. But yeah, this is why you shouldn't change your songs because it's a slippery slope.
1: Yeah, or maybe just look at
0: recent controversies and be like, maybe we should just remove that. Yeah, preemptively. (sighs) If she cares what people think, you know, and she doesn't want to offend anyone. So is this what are we thinking? Tour summer twenty twenty three? I hope sooner than that. She's like Seems like a lot to make us wait an entire year. She's like, guess what, guys? Another tour with Jay-Z and we're like fine. No, I mean I'd be I'd be psyched on that. The thing that I would like is a music video. That's all I want is just a, a music video. I'm the one that gave you all the music videos at once. Guess what? No music videos. Although I don't know, I don't think that the album art is that inspiring so it makes me nervous for whatever the video is
1: you hope if you if she's commissioning custom Mugler that it'll appear in a music video
0: yeah back to uncoupled did you watch it
1: yeah i'm almost done it's a breeze it is a breeze i had no idea the show was coming out it just dropped what friday
0: yeah i had no idea it was coming out either so If you haven't heard of it, Uncoupled is Daddy Darren Starr's... What is he, like, our stepdad or something? Yeah, let's call him our stepdad. Stepdaddy Darren Starr made a show called Uncoupled starring um, fucking Neil Patrick Harris.
1: Good, you got the name right. I was about
0: to say, like, John Cameron Mitchell or another (laughs) three-named gay actor. The first time he's, like, played gay or had a gay sex scene or something...
1: Probably, because he was very famously, he got outed or was forced to come out when he was playing the womanizer on How I Met Your Mother. Right.
0: And he plays a guy who is newly single. There's a lot of parallels to end just like that. I think the reason we started
1: to watch it is pretty immediately we got calls and DMs being like, you have to talk about Uncoupled and its similarities with Sex in the City. Or the fact that this is really what tonally and just like that should have been because it is about a man in his 50s who has to start his life over again because his Boyfriend, husband, they use that term interchangeably, but Long-term
0: it's- Long-term partner, partner of 17 years.
1: Leaves him on not Neil Patrick Harris's 50th birthday, but the partner's 50th birthday. And Neil Patrick Harris has thrown him quite the party. And he opens the door and then he's like, I don't want to be together anymore. Right. Wonderful setup, reversal of the punchline. What I've been longing for from a Sex in the City related <laughs> piece of content. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and like Sex in the City and in just like that, he has a whole crew of friends. He has like his handful of like gay guy friends, and then he has his one like straight female coworker. Which is Tisha Campbell. From yeah, Martin. Love her. And it's fun. It's a good time. I mean, it's it's escapist. Like it's not brilliant. When I watched it, I was like, this is a plot line I've seen before. This is a joke I've laughed at before. Like nothing about it feels new necessarily. But it does feel escapist in the way that Emily in Paris also feels escapist. Although I think this is better than Emily in Paris. Like I still watch that, but it does make me feel like I need like one of those um, those showers that the scientists use <laughs> when they get chemicals in their eyes. Right, you know? right. An eye bath. An eye bath. Yeah. Whereas this is more chill. I also think
1: what's crucial about this is it is a half an hour instead of an hour long which in just like that is look you're not dealing with the death of a partner which is you know it's a hard thing to balance you're also meeting these characters for the first time you don't have a six-year association with them and suddenly they don't meet your expectations so there's that but then there's like an odd amount of like specific references that are so sex in the city like the the jazzy music yeah
0: the score is so that
1: there's that there's the reference to Il Cantonori. right which is interesting because Il Cantonori featured prominently in the first episode of season four the agony and the ecstasy former rewatch episode we've done is the first episode of season four and Darren Star didn't have anything to do with that he left the show or his last writing credit is the penultimate episode of season three
0: maybe he stopped watching the show and just didn't know the same is true of the scene where Neil Patrick Harris's mom I think falls through a subway grate which also happened on sex in the city but after stepdaddy Darren Star left
1: I know so are there only so many things of that gay men of a certain
0: age can joke about that's what I mean when I say it feels familiar. Oh yeah. I I feel like I've watched this show before because it does feel like a very traditional friend-oriented network sitcom but with grinder jokes.
1: That's what made Sex in the City so perfect. And I really do think that was the magic sauce was you had network writers coming into the cable space and using the format of a network show with the idea that, okay, we're going to end with a hard joke or a hard comedy beat and infuse it with the language that you can't use on network TV that people actually use to speak to each other and show sex the way sex actually is. And that's what made the show transgressive. Right, and I think that
0: is brought to Uncoupled. It's nice that we get the boyfriend of the week back with Neil Patrick Harris's character.
1: Right, just looking for that perfect dick. And again, I do think for the second season of And Just Like That, it will be closer to this. There was a lot of legwork, but also with Uncoupled, you're not having to touch down with the side characters as much as you have to with and just like that. You do need a Miranda storyline. You'd have to have a Charlotte storyline. And now we've added these three new characters that you have to address narratively. Yeah. For the most part, you're following Neil Patrick Harris. And if you're seeing side characters, it's a small scene or he's involved with them. Yeah. Also, we've yet to mention that Marcia Gay Harden is also in the film.
0: Yes. In a role that she could be doing in her sleep, but yeah. is fabulous nevertheless.
1: Was it Gene Triplehorn or Marcia Gay Harden who's the therapist in First Wives
0: Club? Uh Marsha Gay Harden. But okay. that's a good game for us to play at some point because who can really tell the difference?
1: Especially in the ninety when they had that like Audrey tattoo, just like short bob. Short bob, yeah. Because why I, I was wondering that is Marcia Gay Harden's storyline is she's now the Diane Keaton in this trifecta from First Wives Club. It is her husband who has left her right. for a younger woman. Yeah. And I guess the joke, which is kind of fat fatpho- not kind of, it is fatphobic, where he left her for a younger Pilates instructor and yet he still gets fatter. That's kind of like her only
0: joke about her husband is that he's fat. Do they end up showing him? Yeah. Is he fat or is he just? Uh, he's it? just like, is a just old guy fat? I don't know. They just kind of all look like that, you know? Your, You're just like average. Your facial
1: blindness is acting up. Did I send you that story that Brad Pitt claims he has the same thing
0: as you? He also suffers from facial blindness. Oh, really? Oh. You and Bradley Pitts. That's terrible because he probably meets so many more people than I do, you know? <laughs> Or that's a that's a wonderful thing to say in the press, so you never have to
1: be embarrassed when you don't know who someone is. Yeah,
0: he goes to set and he doesn't know like who's the grip and who's the director. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of hot A-list male actors, do you like what I did there? I I love
1: this. Yeah, something that really came and went from the culture is this Will Smith apology video. Yeah, it didn't seem to have that much impact. I think because that came out Thursday night or Friday morning and then Beyonce's album came out and we were like, "Uh, uh, okay, we're going to put this down and go over and process Beyonce's new record. Yeah. So maybe that was a genius move to release that. He's like, look, I publicly apologized. That is smart, actually. He has not done enough work to have processed this properly and like, he needs to go away for a year. Also, the amount of time he let go by i have almost forgotten about this incident and now i'm thinking about it again
0: no a lot of people have not forgotten and they're still like really fucking pissed at him like obviously we don't care but like there's a lot of people that saw that and were like very like disturbed and in their feelings about it you know Uh, yeah especially fellow comedians (laughs) yeah Well, okay, first of all, we should say that he apologized in the form of a YouTube video. He was on some weird set that looked like it was for some, like, HGTV YouTube talk show or something. Here's
1: what's sad about the the slap incident is he had been building this thriving YouTube channel, and it's very clear to me that he built that set to continue doing content, and then this incident happened, and he's like, well... We won't be using this room for a while. Yeah. It's not just a YouTube video. It's a Q&A. It's like, he's not addressing the camera like he's doing a presidential address. It's like text, if you haven't seen the video, text just appears where it's like, why didn't you apologize to Chris when you were accepting your award? Which is like the first question asked. And it's like, okay. Yeah, there's no
0: <laughs> statement at the top. It's just straight up Q&A.
1: It's just a title card that's like, I've had a lot of time to think. And I have some things to say. But first, (laughs) I will only say these things in the form of answering
0: a question. After watching it, I believe that he's genuinely remorseful. He is someone that if you followed him on Instagram for years, as I have, you know that he is very self-help oriented he's very into doing consciousness work he's that person so it's like he's a great actor like yeah he could be putting this on but I think his response to this scandal is in keeping with his personality and I'm sure he is upset about it and is embarrassed by it you know as he said disappointing people is my central trauma
1: which so much to unpack with that statement Which is why I'm like, you haven't done enough work to make this
0: statement, but he... See, I feel like he's done a lot of work. I feel like he's been in therapy for months.
1: For sure. But also, the thing that he tiptoes around and all but says is, oh, you guys witnessed me have a public meltdown that's probably been coming for 25 years.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the vibe that we got.
1: Right, that's the subtext, but he doesn't say that he's just like oh man i was just so grayed out i don't know just fogged out
0: is what he said oh right fogged out not that i know what that means but he apologized to chris rock who he said wasn't ready to talk to him he apologized to his family to chris's family to his own family to quest love
1: yeah Okay, uh, for public apologies, that was the apology most deserved to Questlove, who won the award, I'm sure people forgot, won the award for Best Documentary, which is what Chris Rock was presenting.
0: Yeah. I still think they should make Will Smith host the Oscars next year. (laughs) Yeah, I would love that. It is sad that we didn't see him talk about this in the form of a primetime interview, because I'd love to see the Red Table talk, that seems like a no brainer. Although I get that it would drag Jada into it unnecessarily, perhaps, but Oprah would obviously be the, the ideal choice. Yes. Funny you should say that. Either Oprah or Gail. Yeah.
1: But he's just he has his own YouTube channel. I mean, this is where we're going now with celebrities as well. Is they become their own vertical so much that they don't need to do a tell all interview anymore. If they're big enough, they can just go to their YouTube channel and release their heavily produced video.
0: Yeah, but if you can ace an Oprah interview, which he had plenty of time to prepare for that, this, right? Then it can completely change the way that the public perceives you. Do you think Oprah's holding out because she thinks she can get
1: both Chris and Will in the same room? That would be amazing. God, I fucking miss.
0: I miss that shit.
1: I also miss the, going back to Oscars and just Oscar night, I do miss the Barbara Walters special. Yeah. And the fact that no one has taken that mantle. Like, we love the red carpet, but we don't need that much of the red carpet.
0: Yeah. It sucks that Barbara Walters apparently has advanced Alzheimer's. (gasps) Is that what it is? Yeah, honey. She's had that for years. That's why, like... All the current view co-hosts kind of talk about her like she's dead. That's why she's not seen in public. Like it's very, very upsetting.
1: Oh, I just thought she retired.
0: No, that's why you haven't seen her once. You haven't heard from her. She's never gone back on the view since she left. Like, oh, that makes me very sad. Yeah, I'm, I hate to break the news to uh, to those of you who didn't know.
1: All right, well, should I break your heart because we're about to talk about Taylor Swift? Sure. So hot off my latest obsession, and I think the internet's obsession with the Twitter account that tracks celebrities' private jet usage, the Washington Post wrote an article where they tracked all of these flights and the number one carbon polluter is one Miss Taylor Swift. I believe I sent this to you and said, what do you have to say for your queen?
0: I can't defend her (laughs) on this one. It's, uh, It's terrible. It really upsets me. She's not even touring this year. Well, she said that not all of it was her, like she loans her jet out, basically.
1: Which is not true.
0: Like She loans it to her mom or something.
1: A lot of, yes, a lot of people that own private jets often rent them out. I don't think in Taylor's case that is true. I think other people using it would be her family.
0: Yeah. She's not like time sharing her jet with Selena Gomez or something. (laughs)
1: Uh, I mean, maybe I could see her lending her jet to Selena. So the total of admissions is 8,293 metric tons of CO2. And here I am washing out plastic
0: containers. <laughs> we're just fucked, right? We're fucked. Of course we're fucked. We're definitely fucked. I'm horrified by these celebrities. I'm horrified by the lack of government regulation, We're obviously barreling towards a complete climate apocalypse which fine I get it if we all want to be like YOLO nihilists like who gives a fuck let's just like light this motherfucker up but everyone is obsessed with having kids and shit so it's like little Timmy is the one that is going to have to deal with the extreme weather and the mass refugee crisis and all the horrible shit that is going to come from this kind of behavior from living this way I just don't understand why no one wants to think about that in a practical way
1: Well, this is also, even this article is a distraction because, one, this is only the celebrities that they can, they can. Find the tail number four this is also not corporations and billionaires who also have planes that i'm sure do oh, even yeah. more fucking damage so this in and of itself is a distraction so that the
0: uber wealthy can be like yes yes be mad at the celebrities don't look at us over here oh well i know they're doing that shit too the corporations are the biggest problem obviously i try not to think about it And that's why nothing's getting done because all of us collectively are like, ugh. We can't do anything about that though. You know, like what are we going to do about Taylor Swift taking like 10,000 flights or like the government not regulating corporations? But they are regulating our bodies. And even if our government did regulate corporations, there's still the rest of the world to take into consideration.
1: I did have that thought recently In regards to fast fashion, which is unless there's a global pact to put caps on fast fashion, like Zara and H and M, that they can only produce so much, which we for the most part live in a capitalist society, will never happen. It's like the horse has left the stable, as they say. You can't like I'm going to mix a lot of metaphors. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. (laughs) What is what is Zara going to start making less clothing? No, they could. But they're not.
0: Of course they're not.
1: It's just oh, just the whole downward trend of like now thrift stores are just inundated with shin shine. I still don't know how it's pronounced, but like Zara and <laughs> H&M. Like that's what's in thrift stores now.
0: You don't have to tell me. I stopped going to thrift stores for this reason like 15 years ago.
1: All right, let's talk about
0: other things. What else is there to talk about?
1: See, you don't want to talk about Taylor Swift anymore, but I would like to discuss how she's now referring to Taylor's version as the ethically sourced versions of her songs. Okay, you may need to explain that
0: for the audience.
1: I believe almost the same day that this Private Jet article came out, someone clocked that on The Rock's TikTok, she thanked him for using the ethically sourced version of one of her songs for his film. I think it's the Super Pets film. Okay. And I... Cannot get over, right? Because she's alluding to her re-recordings of her album are ethically sourced, meaning that the Scooter Braun masters that he bought legitimately, by the way. Yeah. Because she can't say the the legitimate versions of my songs. So she has to go with like, morally, this is the correct song. Right. Right. Which, when I looked up ethically sourced and Taylor Swift, the first usage of that, I think our friend Jill Gutowitz is the one who coined this phrase. Because in 2021, she ha- she used the phrase in regards to Taylor Swift's re-recordings as ethically
0: sourced. Well, that's funny. And Jill's a very funny person.
1: But I wonder if Taylor saw that and she's like, that's, that's genius. <laughs>
0: She probably did. I've only heard that term used in relation to diamonds and like coffee beans. Which both of those are dubious anyway. (laughs) Well, not if you grow a diamond in a lab. Apparently, we should be only buying lab-grown diamonds or something. I mean, neither you nor I wear diamonds, so we're okay (laughs) there. Yeah, not really a problem for either of us.
1: A new Taylor album is imminent, I believe. That is what the people are saying.
0: That is the rumor. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? I'm totally ready, but I'm glad that I have Beyonce. I have something going on. I have something to listen to in my car this summer that feels like timely, which is a nice feeling. As you can
1: see, guys, we're getting to a a certain time in this podcast, and we've yet to get into the Kardashians. And that's because there's nothing. There's nothing. We got nothing, guys. It's crazy. I mean, uh, there's definitely a certain segment that's happy. Good for you guys. Congrats. You guys (laughs) won. No, I hope someone does something interesting soon. I'm sure they will. I love you, Chell. I love you as a blonde. I mean, I love you anyway. And I, I mean that like any which way you are, not like anyway, I love you. Right.
0: What if I dye my hair Sharon Osbourne red? Would you still love me then?
1: Yeah, I don't know if that goes with your skin tone, but... I could see you rocking a Sharon. Can you can you do Aussie in the British accent? Aussie?
0: No, absolutely not.
1: All right guys, we will see you next week.
0: All right, bye. bye.